Why, yes, we do welcome men to the Inside Story podcast. I was so flattered when my guest today sent me an email asking me this very question. He said, April, do you only interview women for your show or do you welcome dudes too? I thought that was so cool. Yes. While we have had a few men on the podcast before, I'm always open for more. So it is my great pleasure to invite David and have David Watson on the show today. David is a relationship activator and he's a coach and facilitator at a company called ThinkShift, where they help organizations reinvent themselves by helping their key people become better, fabulous leaders. I love that. And in doing that, of course, David gets to focus on his very title, which is that of being a relationship activator. David is also a private client of mine. And as we've been working together to bring his stories to the forefront, as he's writing a book on the lessons learned in his life and business, I've noticed a few things about David during our time together. And that is how well his title of relationship activator actually plays out in all areas of his life. So I said, yes, David, come on the show and let's talk more about this. And so my hope for you is that in listening to our conversation today and listening to David and how he's been able to to really build relations relationships out in all areas of his life and how he's done that, that you will find areas of your own life where you can purposefully activate those relationships. And of course, we talk about storytelling along the way too, as you would expect. So make yourself comfortable and give a warm welcome to this dude, David Watson, to the Inside Story Podcast. Hi, I'm April Adams Pertwee. I'm your host of the Inside Story Podcast. I've been telling people stories my entire adult life as a broadcast journalist, video producer, and digital storyteller. These days, you can find me at Light Beamers, where I'm building a community of women who are ready to step into their brave by sharing their story with the world. On the Inside Story podcast, I'm bringing you some of the best stories I'm discovering from both the women inside of my community, as well as from around the streets of the internet. Plus, I'm digging deep to share some of my own stories with you along the way. My hope is that these stories will help encourage you to examine your own story so that you can share it with other people. I have a motto at Light Beamers. When we share our stories, we shine a light. So with that in mind, let's get down to business today and share the light found in this episode. This episode of the Inside Story Podcast is brought to you by the Storytelling Symposium. This is our community-wide annual event where we bring men and women together from all sectors of life to discuss what does it look like for you to step into your brave and share your story. I talk to so many women every day who think their story doesn't matter. It's not important. It's not big enough. It wouldn't make an impact. Or they know they have a story, but they just have no idea where to start and figuring out how to share it. This is exactly why I created the Storytelling Symposium. This special event is an opportunity for you to come and learn more about how to excavate the layers of your own story 
and how to give your story meaning and impact. We are all walking around with a story to share, yet so often women play small. They keep quiet and they let other stories just pass them by. So the symposium is your opportunity to step into the power of your story and to be surrounded by the most amazing speakers and guest teachers, as well as other attendees as we workshop together, we network, we share stories that will help empower you to step into your brave with your own story. This is a storytelling event like no other. It is seriously like our Super Bowl event of the year, and it's especially curated with you in mind. I am lining up the most powerful speakers who will both inspire and encourage you to step into your brave and the people lining up next to you that will be sitting next to you at the event will also be your cheerleader. So I invite you to join us for our next event, which is September 25th and 26th. 2022 in San Antonio, Texas. Not only do I promise you'll discover new ways to use your story, you'll also fall in love with the San Antonio cuisine and culture and community. And yes, there will be plenty of guacamole and tacos, I can assure you. So for more information on the 2022 storytelling symposium known as Step Into Your Brave, go to lightbeamers.com and click on the events tab in the top navigation bar and there you will find everything you need to know about this year's symposium event. Be sure to reach out to me if you have questions. You can find me at april at lightbeamers.com or of course, hit me up on the social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I'm at lightbeamers and I would love to hear from you. And most importantly, I hope to see you in San Antonio for our storytelling symposium in September. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Inside Story Podcast. I'm your host, April Adams Pertwee. Welcome to all the light beamers out there. So happy to have you with us today. And I am joined, if you're watching here on video, you see my, my guest today is David Watson. Uh, and I am so excited to have another male guest onto the show. When David reached out, he's like, do you even have guys on the podcast? And I said, I actually have. You're not the first, but it's always fun when um, we bring male energy into the Inside Story podcast because it needs, we need to have it, number one. And um, I'm excited to be able to share David with all of you today. David is someone that I've been working with behind the scenes as one of my private clients, and I've had the great pleasure of getting to know him more over the last six months and really have just there's so many great stories that he has that we're going to get to share a few of those today. But primarily, David, uh, your work in the world is in a form of coaching. You work in the in the technology, engineering, software, a lot of techie things space. I'll let you explain it more because it's really um, not my wheelhouse to be able to explain it. Um, you work for a company called ThinkShift, but you're also very much um, an investor in other companies, and you've done a lot of startups in, in your career. Um, you're very into sustainable living and green energy. You have a lot of fascinating interest. And so welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. One of the things that I know we're going to talk about today, and this is an area of expertise of yours, is about activating relationships. So I'm excited to dig in with you, and I'm excited to have you on the show today. So welcome. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. 
So tell everybody a little bit a better explanation than what I did of really what is your work in the world. You work for a company called ThinkShift as one of their um, trainers and facilitators and coaches, but you do work with some other companies, sit on a lots of boards and um, you're working with startups. So you're an investor. You, you have your hands in a lot of different things. Would you kind of want to give a little bit better description of what your background is and what you're doing out in the world? Sure. Yeah. I mean, background, I'm a tech geek. I, I was an engineer in college and went right into technology, went to IBM. Uh, so started my career there and spent a lot of time in technology, about two decades, and then moved into consulting technology and management consulting. And about two years ago, I had an opportunity to come over to ThinkShift and really pursue my passion. I'd spent a lot of time coaching my kids and mentoring others, advising others. So what I do at ThinkShift is similar. It's uh, it's kind of a mix of advising, coaching, executive leadership, helping teams succeed. Uh, in fact, I'm reading a, a book on uh, Da Vinci. Again, I love it. I'm a big fan of uh, Leonardo Da Vinci. And so I guess the simple way is you, you had referred to engineering and technology. It's, it's a really left-brained concept. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in, in the course of my career in development, I've really you know, grown the, the right brain, the empathetic, the, the personal side. Uh, and so really, I'm trying to help people find their inner da Vinci, like what's that connective tissue between the left brain and the right brain? And how do you have empathy, but at the same time, being able to use cognition? And how do you plug emotional into big picture strategy? And how does all that relate? So, you know, whether it's executives or their leadership teams, that's really what I do day to day for ThinkShift. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I think there is such a powerful uh, well, there's such an, that is such important work to really help people tap into both sides of their brain. You and I've talked about this a little bit, you know, behind the scenes, because you've shared with me how you, you have developed your empathy over the years and how that has, you know, with focused work, you've been able to score higher on certain assessments as a result of that. And um, for me, I've always seen myself as a right, when I am a right brain person, but I, you know, as a business owner and certain things that I'm doing in the world, I've had to also learn how to tap into my left brain and be a little bit more analytical. Like, uh, you know, I really admire people that just like pour into data and study their analytics. I have to remind myself to go like, oh yeah, I should probably go look at my analytics. Haven't done that in probably a month or you know, two months or whatever it is. It's not something that comes naturally to me. But then, of course, once I get over there, I'm like, oh, okay, this was helpful. You know, there's, so it's really about training the brain. And I, I love that you bring that up. Um, you know, I said that you are a relationship activator, I think is what you was one of the things you have on your on your official bio. And as I've gotten to know you, I can see how this plays out so much in your story. I mean, not just with your work in the world, but just stories that you have shared with me as we've sat through our sessions doing a lot of story excavation. Um, so let's just start with that. I want to jump right into that relationship activator. You mentioned that you were like coaching with your sons growing up. Now, you know, mentoring, coaching has always been a, a role that you've played in your life and in business. How how did you come to this term or how did you come to really see yourself as a relationship activator? I don't know. I think someone, someone gave me that label and yeah. their own observation. Uh, I, I think the, the person actually, it's the founder of ThinkShift. Uh, my name got brought up in a different training session and they said, oh, Dave's the kind of guy that could have a 
conversation with a you know one of those orange construction cones and strike it up and and so you know vips is like you're the relationship activator but honestly like it probably goes back to i think i told you a story about kindergarten my mom would share friends that dave would sit back in class and be talking to people like he's doing well but he still has to talk to people and you know honestly i, I think in my own discovery some of it has to do with just I had, a, I had a brother and both my parents were single kids, so I didn't have a huge family. So I naturally saw friends as an extension of my family, like those friendships and, and family are almost inter, intertwined to me. So, you know, the fact that I bring friends together from high school or college or former mm -hmm. work or new areas that I, I do together, I love to have people together and that's family to me. So those, those two words are tightly intertwined. Uh, so I'd been doing it literally since kindergarten. Well, there's two examples that I want you to share because um, a couple of stories that we have, we have, I've discovered as we've done our work together, one in particular, well, there's two in particular I want you to share, but the first one is about, um, share the story of when you had just moved to a new town, this was, you, you were a kid and right. you were like, well, I got to go find people. And so you literally kind of went door to door to find out where were the kids in the neighborhood. And before you know it, like by the end of the day, you had a softball team or a baseball team gathered and y'all were, you didn't have a place to play. And so you found someone's backyard to play in. I mean, share that story because that really illustrates even at a young age, what you were doing to be a relationship activator. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a couple stories under that, but the one I, I think we're talking about is the baseball where, you know, growing up it be like, Hey, we've got to go get baseball. And this was pre social media, you know, and you know, the, the days where you actually get on your bike and go house to house <laughs> and, and, you know, we'd go to an empty lot and sometimes it'd be five of us. And sometimes it'd be 15 or 20 of us. And we'd make up the rules and play games of baseball and, and whatever. But yeah, I was kind of that guy that's like, okay, you go there and get those two people and you get those two people and I'll get these two people and we'll get them all together. And then we'll figure out what game we're going to play, but don't worry about what we're going to do, but let's just all show up and do it. So I'd always be that person that was like the energy behind the team. Uh, so as I, you know, and that's even still what I do today with coaching, like I'm some of that, that energizer behind the team and I can help the individual, I can help the team, I can help the team within the bigger organization. It's just always something I've done. I love it. It's a passion. Yeah. And then the other thing that strikes me is um, what I've learned about you is you have this pretty extensive group of friends that have been friends for probably 20, 30 years. Um, it sounds like if I remember it dates back to some college days. And even now you're like, oh, I'm going to be in Las Vegas next week playing golf with the group or, oh, we're gathering at so-and-so's place. And, you know, the group of 30 are going to be together. These guys and this group of people, you're still traveling the world with them. I mean, you're still trapped. Like a lot of times people will have friends or we'll have acquaintances or we'll have business colleagues. And they're often in our life for a season, you know, and, and often that season has a reason. And it's very rare. And my husband does this too. He has a group of core guys that he has been friends with since, you know, he was 16. And these are, the, I mean, I was just in Montana going to one of the guys' son's wedding. I mean, we do life with this group of people as do you. And I, how did that group start? And, and tell us a little bit about like you continuing to activate th those relationships. Yeah, there's actually a few groups. It's funny you bring up weddings. I just was at a wedding this past weekend of one of my high school buddies and yeah. a picture of five of us from high school that we've known each other since fourth or fifth grade. And, you know, all the other four of them are all in the Chicago area. I'm in Seattle and I fly home to Chicago and I get them all together. And 
they I, I always ask them like you guys get together all the time and they're like no we only get together when you bring us all together yep. I'm in Seattle and how like how is this possible so but I, I left Chicago area uh, in 1995 and came to Seattle and always wanted to bring friends back and it just evolved I had close friends in Seattle that I developed and I bring them back to Chicago and then I call a few of my friends from high school and a few of my friends from college and a few of my friends from the neighborhoods in Chicago and all of a sudden I've got three or four or five different pods of friends that are all connected and it's funny like they're all friends now separately without me even being involved but this annual trip I've probably done it 20 plus times in the last 25 years and you know it grows and grows and there's a, a core group of us that always want to go back and do it but you know we've done a, a ton of things and so but I'm I'm kind of the 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 instigator of all of it you know back in the love boat days I'm Julie McCoy cruise director I bring it <laughs> and we have the big party so I love that reference to your point like we've we've been present for seeing our children born and graduate from colleges we've gone to weddings we've sadly gone to a couple funerals and you know we've all stayed connected but to me the best the best part about it is actually friends from different areas ask about them they're like oh how's this person doing from high school compared to this person from Seattle versus this from college. So I'm totally grateful that they've actually been able to embrace each other too. So it's fun to see. Well, you know, obviously this comes very naturally to you. Like this is how you're wired. It's in your, you know, your personality. It's something that, um, you you know, it's very easy for you to do is just call those people up and get them together. And because you bring so much energy to it, most people are not going to say, no, I'm not interested. You know, they have a relationship with you and they appreciate the, the reach out and the intentionality. What would you say, and I know you deal with this in the work that you do and coaching teams and executives and and just people in general, to someone who's sitting here listening to this going, well, that's great for you, David, (laughs) but I'm not like that. I'm I'm not wired that way. How could I become a better relationship activator if this isn't the way I'm wired? Do you have, like, have you, do you have ideas or tips that you think help one become better at building those relationships? Yeah, there's, you know, going going back to kind of the left brain, right brain thing, um, part of what I help people do, and I, this is one thing I work a lot on with the people I'm coaching and spending time with, is there, there's different mindset preferences that we all have. And some it's a strategic long-term point of view. Sometimes it's this problem solving, you know, facts and data. Sometimes it's more the process stuff, that step-by-step methodology. Sometimes it's just purely the relational. So to understand what the individual is looking for, but then you could be very deliberate about it. And I I literally, I, like at one point I built a spreadsheet. I, I thought I was going to, to die this, this event I went through about 15 years ago. And I kind of wanted to unwind and say goodbye to, you know, 30, 40, 50 people. I literally put everyone in a spreadsheet and I came up with a bunch of different categories for what it meant, like how I related to them and what I did. And it just helped me kind of understand where I wanted to invest and spend more time with people. And actually it happened today. I actually had a meeting this morning and I drove an hour to meet someone for an hour. And then it took me another hour to drive home. And I have this, one of the ideas I have is like, who would you go three hours out of your way to go visit? Even if it's for a coffee for an hour, would you get in the car or even fly somewhere? And so find that, that one or two things that are like, where would you go above and beyond to build that relationship and then be intentional about it and do those things. Find those little things about the people that you want to spend more time with and, and you can figure them out. Everyone's is going to be different, whatever that might be. 
It could be FaceTimes. It could be, I want to connect with them personally. You know, I need to go on vacation with them. I need to go out with them and their spouse, whatever that is, but figure out those couple of things that you're really passionate about and then extend it and, and reach out to those people that are important in your life. And it could be people you've known since third, fourth, fifth grade. It could be people that you just met in your neighborhood a, a week ago, um, but figure out where you want to spend time because you can't do it with everyone and yeah. you don't have enough time to do it. But I've been, I've been fairly deliberate about cultivating relationships with, with people. And I intentionally spend more time with the people that I sync with and want to spend more time with and less with others, but not that any time's bad. It's just, you just have to be a little bit more deliberate about it to whatever your passion ends up being. Do you think it's harder for, and I don't know if I really subscribe fully to these labels, so I'm going to say that up front, but do you think it's harder for a quote introverted type person to do this, even if they are thinking about it and they can make a list, but then actually like bringing themselves to the table to be the first one to make that reach out and, you know, to make those requests, do you think it's harder? And do you experience that when you're talking with people? I don't think it's harder. It's just different. You know, part of introversion and extroversion is the the energy it takes to do something. It's not Mm -hmm. a social thing. Um, we break down when we try to talk to people about coaching and, and relationships, like the simple example I'll use is there's a spectrum, right? Whether you're an introvert or extrovert, let's say you're going into a party and there's 30 people in a party. Are you more inclined to find that one person and have a conversation in the corner and you're really, really empathetic with one person? Or are you more on the social socializer side where you want to say hi to all 30 people that are in the room? And obviously, the room is different depending on who's there and what you're trying to accomplish. But, you know, consider introvert and extrovert kind of on that spectrum. And then and then you just adjust and, and try to figure out how to maybe instead of having one conversation, if you're super introverted, having two. And instead of saying hi to all 30 people, if you're super extroverted, only say hi to 10 and spend a little yeah. bit of time. So it ends up being more of a depth and a breadth as opposed to, hey, I can't do it because I'm an introvert or right. I can because I'm an extrovert, because I could argue just as easily, it's hard for, I, I used to be super, super extroverted, and I still am in a way, but as I've developed a lot more of my empathy in the last five, six, seven years, I've had friends that I've known for 25 years that say they know me more deeply in the last two years than they had the previous 25, yet I was still really good friends with them, and so it's really a breadth versus depth issue in terms of that one-on-one relationship, as opposed to purely introvert versus extrovert that that's my opinion everyone no I think that and that really resonates you know because I I that is something that I have really experienced myself in the last several years probably more so even since I've been building this online presence and doing as much as I do with light beamers is that before I would have told you I'm the most extroverted person on the planet you know and people I think think that I'm extremely extroverted and I am to a certain degree but I have found myself more and more um, pulling back. You know, I love that visual to kind of like where you are in the room. Like instead of wanting to talk to every single person in that room, I'm finding less energy for that and more interest in, you know, find five people or three people and spend a lot more time talking with those people. Um, and just feeling like I have less capacity and and energy to be that person that can just know every single person in the room. And I think, I I think that's probably enlarged just by a a large part because of 
the nature of me running a community and knowing, spending a lot of time finding out about these men and women in my community and really pouring into them. And there's just only so much of me to go around, you know, and I've just have had to learn how to manage that energy as a result of that. So that totally resonates with me. And I can see even in my own, you know, as I've gotten older and as my business has changed and grown and morphed that, you know, it, it is more meaningful to have, you know, maybe a few less of those meeting, meeting everybody in the room kind of moments and just um, focus on the ones that you do spend the energy on. And it seems much more satisfying to me. I used, I mean, at one point I was like, I think I think I think I'm the most introverted extrovert I know right now, because there are just times when I just want to shut it all off, which I think, you know, is normal. I think we're all kind of have, we play in both worlds a little bit, even a a good introvert has their moments where they can, they can perform and and be out there and do the things that are required to meet new people. And it's all, it's situational too, right? It is for sure. It is. Yeah. It'd be, you know, the timing. And frankly, it's also related to our own age and maturity and where we yeah. are in our, our stage of life. If you're, you know, yeah. if you move into a new neighborhood and you're at that party of 30, you're, you might want to try to meet all 30 people yeah. who don't know them. But if it's the same 30 people that you've been at the Christmas party with for 20 years in a row, you might only want to spend time with the three or four you haven't seen and go deeper. So, you know, you have to put all this together and figure out what works. But I think, to me, going back to the extrovert versus introvert, I think you really need to relate the energy part to it mm-hmm. and go into it knowing that you have to turn the dial on the energy, whether it's turning it up or down, it's a different energy to to play a different role. And I think that it still is hard. It's not easy to do, but you know you have to be intentional and know going in, I'm going to do that, right? Well, that leaves my next question because I wanted to talk about the benefit. Like, okay, so what's the benefit, you know, of of spending this time building these relationships, being intentional, um, making your list in advance, creating that spreadsheet or whatever it may be, and then doing the work? Um, you know, obviously, I can think of some benefits, but I'd love to hear from you, and especially as you're working with people and what they're experiencing. Also, you know, there's got to be some personal benefits, like like you and in this group that you've been traveling for a long time with since, you know, many of them since high school, even some of your fourth and fifth grade friends that you've had for so long, you're still really in those personal relationships. And also as it relates to professionally, you know, to the the work that you're doing in the world with clients that you have and, you know, being able to cultivate referrals and things like that, which is super important in business, right? For us to, to build those client and customer relationships are, is equally as important as what we're doing in our personal life. So what are the immediate, other than the obvious, well, you'd have more friends or, well, you'd have more clients. Those are the obvious benefits, but what are the subset benefits that you see and that you yourself experience as a result of being so intentional and being able to cultivate relationships the way that you have, that you, the way you do. Yeah, I think there's a few, I mean, you know, just in the big picture of life and thinking about some of the great med, you know, meditation teachers or people about mindfulness and whatnot, everyone always says, you know, relationships is, you know, the number one thing, right? Before the end of our time on earth, it's, you know, relationships are going to, to have the biggest impact on 
on yourself. So I think there's health benefits, but, you know, specifically like what I've found is a couple of ways is one just on my own path towards self-actualization and really understanding who I am. I learn a lot from others, right? I, mm-hmm. I ask a lot of questions. I see what what's worked for them. You know, I have a ton of lessons learned. It's something that I'm sharing, you know, about for my sons and lessons learned, but everyone else has a bunch of lessons learned. So the fact that I'm learning what they've gone through and what their trials and tribulations have been and what they've garnered from, I can learn from that. And and so that just helps me become a better person. You know, the other side is, as you get deeper with friendships and relationships, I've learned, and again, I'll channel Brene Brown here with vulnerability is that I'm a lot more vulnerable with them. And then that has also deepened my friendship. And so I have that deeper bond. And I find that as you're more close with someone, you could be more vulnerable. And as you're more vulnerable, you're more you and really just bring more of you to the, the world, you know, for whatever part of you is there. Uh, so there's just a lot of benefit just from that, besides, obviously, all the social and I have a lot of friends and, and whatnot. But, you know, to me, it's just, you know, it feels like you get to experience the world and the, this career and life journey five, 10, 20 times as, as much. Like I've never been to certain places in the world, but I've talked to friends who have been there and feel that feels better and closer to me when it's a personal story about someone traveling to a different part of the world than me watching it on TV or reading about it in a book. It, because my friend has been there and I could picture my friend enjoying whatever that experience was. I get to live kind of through them and, and then inversely, they get to live through me. And that just, makes that friendship deeper, stronger, faster. So I, I think there's a few different benefits. Oh, it's so beautiful. Cause you know, what you're describing is just great storytelling, you know, really like really learning and experiencing life and business um, through the power of stories. And I love that. And you, you, you kind of opened a segue for me. So I'm going to go there, which is um, this lessons learned. This is actually something that you and I are working on together privately. Um, something that is called lessons learned, something that, oh, do you not no, want to kidding. say the name? No, no, you, no, you said privately. I was like, Shh, don't tell anyone. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, oops, oops, did no, I let the cat out of no, the bag? No, um, this is going to put you on the hook though for, for a okay. project that you're working on. So I'd love for you to share this idea of lessons learned and tell everybody what you're up to. Yeah, there's it kind of started two. There's a combination of two things. One is just telling my sons different things, like something happened at work, and I'd come home and be like, "I can't believe this happened with this interview." Here's what these young people that are interviewing with me could have done differently. I want my kids to not make those mistakes, and they, you know, they're probably 15 and 12 at the time, and they roll their eyes and they're like, "Dad, I'm not ready to interview yet," and. That, that was part of it. And then as I started to mentor and advise some of the newest generation of leaders that were coming into the organization that I was with, I they were 23, 24, 25 years old. And I felt I was giving them the same advice I'm giving to my sons that mm-hmm. are 15 and 12 or 16 and 13, however old at the time. And so I had this idea like, okay, I want to start telling stories and call it lessons learned for my sons. And I don't, and I appreciate all your help as we improve my storytelling, but I had a hard time telling the story about these lessons that I've learned in my lifetime, you know, professional and personal. And I wanted to share them with my boys. So one, it was a way to capture the lessons that I could share with my boys. But two, I find a lot of people benefit by hearing these different mm-hmm. stories. So, you know, I tell it through the lens of my boys and I've done, what, what did we say? Over a hundred on LinkedIn. That's a lot. Posts and, mm-hmm. and now we're trying to tune them a little bit so I can take all that and 
basically build a book called Lessons Learned for whomever, not just my sons, but for daughters, for people you work with, for friends, for parents, for whatever that constitute. I think there's a lot of good lessons there. And so what you're helping me do is put a better story spin on you know, what that transformation is and what I personally went through or what I observed others go through and then give people a, a simple digestible lesson learned. Getting back to what we were talking about, the relationship side is mm-hmm. how do you actually activate it? How do you create this new habit and try to give everyone an ability to say, okay, that's the lesson. And here's two or three little things that I can do so I can do the same thing. Um, and that's to say all lessons are for everyone, but you know, if we get to, we'll see how many we can get, but you know, I think we talked about 55. If we get up to 55 lessons and people get five or 10 lessons out of it. Awesome. That's great. You know, if they get more, even better. So yeah, it's been, it's, it's fun. Um, I have to, I have to keep working it. You can keep me on task though. I am. It's it's been so fun, and that's where I've you know I'm benefiting too because I get to hear your stories, and there's just been so many really good, rich stories that we've been able to you know I've been able to help you just pull out. They were there all along, but um, it's been really really fun to see this project come to fruition, and I'm excited for you. I'm excited. You know, we'll have you back on the show when the book comes out, and we'll be launching it like crazy. It's going to be so good. But, you know, the key of it, though, is really around storytelling, right? You know, I got to to get to this part of it, too, because it's so so central to um, being able to pass on our wisdom and these lessons learned or things that we've been through that we you know, could have navigated better. And maybe we realize it after the fact or whatever it may be. And you've got a lot of that mixed into all of your lessons learned that you've shared. And it's really about the power of storytelling. And you even said yourself, like the reason why you hired me was just to make sure that those stories really were polished and that they could do their job so that they would reach the the reader, you know, reach the person who's going to be absorbing these stories what have you yourself as, as someone who like intellectually knows that this is how that you want to do it. And you're already really producing some great stories, but what has going through this process done for you personally that maybe you didn't expect or that you're really proud of? The process that you and I are working for. Yeah. Just well, the process of you really sharpening your eye for the storytelling details. Yeah, I think it's really about the the transformation uh, mm-hmm. and, and just drawing the transformation out because sometimes it's fairly subtle and uh, sometimes it doesn't happen right away. Sometimes it mm-hmm. happens over a much longer period of time. And it's, it's, I guess, just the depth at which transformation happened is is really what it's been interesting to explore because even as we're going through this work, sometimes... I might describe an event that happened and then 20 years later, I can look back on that event and then say, wow, now I have a different lens of what really happened through that event. And I see I did make a transformation, but I don't I don't think I had the words to describe what what happened, what I was doing differently. Um, But now I understand that I actually did build a new habit or do something differently. Mm -hmm. Just the, the depth of, you know, the transformation, you know, like I said, it literally doesn't happen just like that all the time. Sometimes it does. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but but other times it's a, a long journey of the transformation. And so where where you've really been able to help me is to contextualize that instead of me having to explain 17 different things, I can put it in a much more succinct, you know, here's the the backstory, here's specifically the transformation, and here's the lesson learned. Because I think what I was able to do before 
was really capture the lesson learned. Like I understand how to mm -hmm. explain what the outcome and the results and how you can actually actually, you know, actionize it and make it happen. But the power of helping someone understand the before and then the transformation in the after in a more succinct way is really what I've learned from you. That I don't think I was really good at. I had these meandering stories and then I'd really focus on the lesson learned instead of like, hey, this happened, then here's how it changed. And now here's what I'm doing. Here's the lesson learned. And so I think it's a much, it's a better structured process. And I think it'll be easier for other people to digest because I don't have, you know, I don't want to spend an hour spend, you know, telling someone a story and a lesson learned. It'd be nice to say, hey, it's here's two or three pages. Bam. If you just want to see a lesson learned about X, go to that part of the book and look at it instead of listening to Dave Babble about it for an hour <laughs> at a party. <laughs> so yeah, that, it's that, been really fun. It's been really fun to see your, the light go on, you know, and um, like, you, you know, we'll come to our calls and you're like, okay, like I want to make sure the story arcs there, you know, it's really, really fun for you, for me to see you do that and apply it. Um, and I do, I really, these stories are going to shine. So I cannot wait to um, share more of the lessons learned once that book is officially done and published and out into the world and we're claiming it here on the inside story yeah. <laughs> so that will be um holding david accountable to his work to hopefully to... it's not podcast like 195 <laughs> yeah. like oh episode 250 <laughs> david is finally yeah. back talking yeah. about his book <laughs> no we will not be that we're gonna we're gonna make it happen sooner than that so yeah um another thing that you bring to the table and this is i think why you know, it was funny, like, I think when you originally reached out to me, because you were a referral from another mutual friend of ours and someone that I had done some story work with. And so I didn't know you and you didn't know me. And you reached out after we, our mutual friend had made the connection. And I, again, your first question was, do you even work with dudes? You know, I think I still have that email. It's so funny. And I, I laughed out loud when I, when I saw that, because, you know, everything that I put out there publicly is very obviously very geared towards women. And I make no apologies about that, but I absolutely love when the right guys fall in my lap, you know, and you were absolutely one of those right guys because number one, you appreciate storytelling. So I knew you had a thirst for it based off what you were already doing on LinkedIn and these lessons learned that you were already starting to write and all of that. And, and because you're a coach, I understand that you're really here to help people. So that, you know, spoke to me, but the, the third piece that I really love about you is your optimism. You know, I am like the light beamer over here, really trying to tell positive stories in the world. And that's essentially what you are doing. Also, optimism plays a big role in who you are and in your life. Would you talk a little bit about how you are intentional about your optimism as well, as much as you are about building relationships? Yeah, well, I appreciate the the context and background. It's funny because I would, it, as I built more of a clear understanding of what my values were, actually, it was someone else I want to introduce you to is uh, someone who's been my mentor and a, a friend. And she's like one, one of my favorite women in the world. And she's been a major influence on career and life and, and what we did. And during one of our mentoring sessions, she said, hey, let's let's lay down what your values are. And, you know, I, I went through this process and we kind of prioritized and highlighted what my values were. And guess what? The first one was friendship slash relationship mm -hmm. without yep. a doubt. 
and that that weaves in family and everything there. But my number two is actually optimism mixed with confidence. And and it's I am. I just I I look at the you know the the positive side of everything as much as I can. Uh, I I want to have a realistic point of view. Like sometimes I'll tell people, oh, I'm the guy that if there's a drop of water in the glass, the glass is half full. I'm that optimistic. And they're like, but that's not real. And I'm like, okay. I do have the mix of realism in it. So I want to find that right balance where, you know, I want to take the positive side. You know, sometimes, you know, you can't be optimistic about everything, but I'll tend to lean there more uh, because I'm also confident in problem solving and how Mm -hmm. to get there. And so I I think there's always a way, especially when you work with other people and you have these relationships, maybe I don't know the way, but someone else knows the way. And There's something that we can do and how can we do this together? And, you know, there's this energy and passion that I have behind things that always ends up being optimistic. So I I really have a positive view on just the world across everything. Well, how has being an optimist served you? Because I think that there are a lot of people out there that think, oh, it's just poppycock, you know, like it's, it's not really realistic, as you said, it's that there's too many things out there where just sometimes optimism isn't going to serve, doesn't have a place. But in reality, there's always, we have, we are at the power of choice, you know, as a coach, right. You know, this, like it's, we always have a choice about how we can either react or respond. And by choosing to see something a certain way, it, what does it do for you? What has it done for you to navigate some challenges that you've had in your life? I mean, your life hasn't been perfect. Nobody's as, you know, you've navigated your own uh, series of challenges in your life from moves in your career to dynamics in your relationships um, like everyone else. And so when you have, when you face your own challenges and your own kind of dark days, how does optimism serve you and how do you find it? How do you dig into it when it's hard? Well, maybe I'll start there. Like, how do you dig into it when it's hard? It's like, how do you, what do you do when you want to do something new or different? Right. Mm -hmm. You, you know, one of the things you're doing is trying to, to walk as much as possible and trying to think about the continuation of walking. And, you know, every day you might walk farther and longer and, and just doing that and thinking about that. It's like, you think about what happened the last time that you went an extra mile or for an extra Mm -hmm. half an hour and how good did you feel after that. And so I, I try to reverse engineer it and think, wow, I, I go back into my experiences of when I tried something hard or difficult or challenging, and as it, it was successful, I then think about that when I think about the next thing that I want to take on. So that kind of feeds the, you know, the optimism starts to become self-serving and it feeds itself. And I, I think if anyone wants to grow and do something different, whether you're shifting your mindsets or behaviors, growing new habits, doing something different, you know, you're doing that by default, that's optimistic. That's optimistic mm-hmm. that you're going to improve yourself and try to go on this journey of self-actualization and improvement. So whether you call it optimism or confidence or perseverance or something else, it is a, a state of mind that says, I want to intentionally grow, be better, stronger, faster. Uh, so it, to me, in a way, optimism is a label, but it's it's a mm-hmm. really an attitude, right? And so you can sure. think about it with seven or eight or 10 different words, but it's how do we all grow whatever it is that we want to grow or do better with what we want to do? Do you want deeper relationships? Do you want to learn more about the world? Do you want to travel and do things differently? I'm optimistic that I can do that because I've done other things similar to that. Or I've talked to my friends and they've done mm-hmm. things that they've never done before. And I said, wow, I think I can do that too. And so it's just 
you know, you, you find little victories. And then to me, it's think about the past and how do you project that forward into the future? And that's optimism. Are you familiar with um, Lou Tice, the work of Lou Tice from the Pacific Institute? Do you know the Pacific Institute? Uh, I'm surprised because they're, they're up in the Pacific Northwest um, where you're from or where you live. Anyway, he's now to see, you should look it up, look up the Pacific Institute. Um, so anyway, Lou Tice is the founder of, uh, I believe the founder of the, in, uh, specific, uh, the Pacific Institute. He has now passed, his since passed away, passed away several years ago, but I did kind of at the very beginning of my own personal growth and development journey. Uh, when I started to get more and more into this work, I took, I did some training um, under his tutelage, if you will, through by way of another coach. And um, the reason I'm telling you this is they taught a very specific um, technique, if you will. I don't even know if it's a technique or what you would call it, but they call it flick back, flick up. And I refer to this all the time. You just described it perfectly. Like sometimes we don't have, like when you're looking out into the dark ethers, there is no light, right? There is no light. You can't see it. So we have to go back, as you said, go back into the past and be reminded of what does the light look like, right? What, what experiences have we had that shows us we have the courage or that we have the capability or that we're smart enough to figure things out or that, you know, we have the skill set needed to take on this job or whatever it is. We have to go back into our past and flick backwards. And then once we find it, we grab it. And that is allows us to kind of flick forward, you know, flick up. And so I love that you, you just described that perfectly. And that was all coming into my mind, flick back, flick up, flick back, flick up. And so I wondered if you were familiar with his work, because I know you've done so much of, you know, different training from different people. Um, I love that. So speaking of different training from different people, one of the people, one of the one that you're really digging into uh, now, and you already mentioned her, was Brene Brown. Uh, you talk a lot about Brene Brown's influence on you and the work that you're bringing into the world. Um, what is it that, what is it about Brene Brown's work that has impacted you so much that you didn't, you weren't really grabbing onto before? You talked a lot, a lot about empathy. I know your empathy levels have changed. Yeah. Vulnerability. Yeah, the, the vulnerability is the, the big thing. But I, I mean, you know, if you want to go and appeal to the, the audience of mostly women, I was the typical dude that's like, hey, we can't fail. We can't show weakness. You know, that's mm -hmm. what I learned growing up is like, we have to be the strong one. We have to do this. There's no problem. We can't overcome all this stuff. And, you know, as a leader, I've found that I, it's much, I'm much more powerful when I actually show the vulnerable side and show yep. that I fear, that I have concerns, that I have worries that I'm scared, that that I don't know exactly what I'm doing. All that said, I'm still going to try it and work it and I'll figure it out. And so I let my confidence and optimism. I think if you show all those other traits, the confidence and perseverance and optimism and passion after you first make everyone aware of your vulnerability, you look that much stronger from a leadership. Totally. And so I think that's, that's helped me more than anything is just a really embrace that and understand it. And I think more recently, the other the other part is just understanding the depth of empathy. And, you know, there's an image that I've gone, I've posted a couple of times about uh, in Brene's most recent book, Atlas of the Heart, where she talks about anger. And I know, you know, with different parts, I just 
I'm mad. I'm like, you know, even as a little kid, you're mad. I'm mad. I'm angry about something. Grr, right. And little boys and, you know, you hit things or do whatever we did when we were little kids. But she has this image where she's like, no, there's actually a dozen or more different emotions under anger. And so the other thing that she's allowed me to do is understand that there's layers to all these emotions and, and things that you feel. And I always thought it was just this thing on the surface. And now I've learned to kind of dig through it and understand really what's behind that. And then that allows me to be more vulnerable with people because I can reveal to them, well, I wasn't really mad. What I'm really feeling is a sense of sadness. And this sadness mm -hmm. is related to this thing. And now that I'm aware of my own openness and empathetic to that specific situation, I could be vulnerable with others and then show how my strengths can help solve that problem or mm -hmm. overcome what I'm doing as opposed to just that surface level. So, you know, I, I credit, you know, a lot of she's great books and, you know, I've mm -hmm. actually taken her online courses and done, done a lot of work. So kudos to, to that. I've, I've found my inner empathy side, uh, which is funny because relationships has always been my strength, but somehow I've, gotten away with not having these deep, 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 deep relationships. And now I do. It's crazy that I, I'm so grateful that all these people are, you know, still friends with me because they're like, wow, I know more about you, Dave, than I did years ago, but they still wanted me around. So yeah, I mean, I think that that says volumes right there that you've had these friends that we've talked about throughout this episode that you've known for so, so, so many years, yet several of them have mentioned to you, wow, I know more about you. I know you better now and only in the last couple of years than I ever knew you before, you know, um, obviously some of that comes with age and growth and wisdom, but right. some of it comes from you just doing the hard work, doing right. the deep work, which is so required. And I think that that really, I mean, don't you think that it all ties together? I mean, if we're going to talk about activating relationships, like it really is going to require us to number one, share our story, like be a little bit more open be willing to share the truth of who we are be willing to dig into that and tap into our vulnerability and not just share the story that, that we think everybody wants to hear, but more like, Hey, really, this is my story. Like I'm scared yeah. over here. I don't really have it all figured out, but I'm willing to try. Or when it comes to relationships, like, Hey, I'm new here. I don't really know anyone, but I'm willing to make a new friend. You know, like it requires some of that, or it requires, like, hey, I know we haven't seen each other or talked to each other in 20 years, but I'd love to reconnect. Like, it takes courage to put yourself out there and do these things. And it takes a lot of vulnerability to tap into that courage. And I think it's all interconnected, which is no secret why you are then this powerful relationship activator as you have done this work and gone deeper um, into your own vulnerability and courage yourself. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, and it, I'd even drawing back to what you said, it does take, it takes work and awareness. And, you know, for, you know, if you're an introvert and you're at that party, I, I promise most people that you go up to and own it and be vulnerable and say, I'm usually introverted. I don't like to talk to anyone at parties. Nine out of 10 people are going to say, well, let's talk. And they're going to be, or they'll say me too. <laughs> or they'll say me too. And then you'll end up talking anyway. And, and just on the other side, the extrovert that goes and says, Hey, normally I have to say hi to all 30 people at the party. Do you mind if we just sit here for an hour and just talk about life and go, go deeper with them? I normally don't do this, but I want to try. And will you try with me? Almost everyone wants to do that. Like we all are scared to do this stuff. Like you said, like the introvert that says that, and then it's another introvert. Like most people aren't 
able to do it. And if you're able to open up to them, most people are going to come back to you and be the same. Like yeah. they have as many or more fears as you have. And, you know, we're all on that same playing field. We're all humans on earth. Like it's just part of who we are. We can't help it. <laughs> and we all have the same fears. We all carry the same emotions. I mean, we're all battling the same, pretty much the same demons, right? I mean, it's yep. not, it, we're really not all that unique. <laughs> we are in our own personalities and our own life experiences. But when we get down to the core of who we are, you know, we're just people and we're um, a bunch of messed up, broken people trying to navigate and have a better life and, you know, and get to the finish line, whatever that, whatever that looks like. And so I agree. I think that that's a beautiful thing to kind of leave people with is that image of in thought of like, you know, next time, this is what it could look like. This is what it could sound like for you to just own it and say something and be the first to say something. Don't wait for others to come to you. That's really how you initiate being those or activate those relationships to begin with, or initiate just the relationship itself um, is by being willing to go first. Um, you know, I'm reading, I'm reading a, a book right now. I can't tell you the name cause it just, it just arrived and I just started it. It's from a pastor and he, he talks a lot so far I'm in chapter two. So, you know, give that a little bit of weight there, but he talks a lot about being willing to go first. Like you've got to be willing to go first. And I think that's really what a lot of this is, is be willing to go first, be willing to put yourself out there, be willing to be vulnerable, be willing to sh share your story. And you're, you're just a great example of that. So, okay. Yeah. How can, besides like, you know, we're like going to be waiting for this lessons learned book to come out soon, but how can people follow along with you? I know you're best found on LinkedIn. That's your social media of choice. And we will definitely link up your LinkedIn handle so that people can at least connect with you there. Is there another place you'd like to send people to connect with you and follow along? Uh, you know, we could uh, put up what my uh, site is at LinkedIn and, and what we are at LinkedIn at uh, ThinkShift and yeah. what we do there because, you know, as I work with people, you know, a lot of the people I'm coaching and working with have a lot of these same issues. And that was one of the passions and why I joined ThinkShift in the first place because everyone needs some different mix of, trusted advisor, coach, mentor, guide, consultant, whatever you want to call it. So, you know, that's really what I do for my day job and help people and would be happy to do it. But yeah, from a social media perspective, LinkedIn, and you might uh, encourage me to explore some other options over time. For now, uh, LinkedIn is it. And then we'll get that book going. So we're going to get that book. Well, go the book's already else. going. The book is yeah. already going. It's, yeah, it's we'll being go, written as we we'll speak. Yeah, it's going to it's going to come to full fruition and publication soon. So I am thrilled to have you on the show. Thank you for being my guest today. And thank you for just sharing your lessons learned and your words of wisdom and just, you know, pieces of your own story and how these illustrations play out for you. It's been beautiful. Yeah. Thanks. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, it's uh, yeah, I'll be excited to hear it. I, I'm not sure I like hearing my own voice, but we also talked about that as I'm doing. Video we have talked about that. LinkedIn, so I, I guess uh, you did your a LinkedIn video the other day and, uh, you know, just put it out there. And that's what it takes. You know, that's continuing yeah. to be an activator is trying new things. So I'm really, really proud of you for that one. So super fun to see. Well, it's, it's just another form of vulnerability, right? I, you know, yep. got to do it. And tell people you're vulnerable about it. And it's, it's a great way. And I guess that's a, that's the last thing I would leave people is that, you know, we talked about this introvert extrovert and how do you activate relationships in the context of the party, but 
you could do it anywhere, right? It could be on the phone. It could be through email. It could be social media. It could be outside at neighborhood gatherings, whatever it might be. Like you can, you can do this, you know, any, any time and place. Um, but just, you know, mentally you, you have to be uh, purposeful about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you want to do. And I think anyone can do it. If not, well, there you go. Oh, I'll help you. <laughs> if not, give David a call. Thank you so much. I'm going to leave it at that. That's a perfect place for us to, to end it here today on the Inside Story podcast. Thanks for being with us. And we will see you next time right here on the show. See you then. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to give it a review and share this broadcast out with your friends and family. Now, did listening to this episode make you think more about your own story? Are you wondering which parts of your own story are relevant to share with others? This is the question I get asked more than any other. How do I share my story? Which parts of my story are worth sharing with other people? How can I make my story relatable so that others can benefit from it? I've taken my simple process that I've used for years as a journalist and broken it down into a three-part storytelling formula that will help you discover the key components of your own story and how to share it. It's a free resource I've created to help you become a light beamer by sharing your story. Simply go to www.lightbeamers.com and click on the big yellow button on the homepage to download your story formula. I'd love to hear your story too. So be sure to join my free community on Facebook, the Light Beamers community, and share your story with me. I can't wait to learn more about you and the story that's inside of you. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can get notified when our next broadcast is live. You will want to stay tuned to the stories we are lining up for you next. I promise they are so good. As always, Light Beamers, I'm over here cheering for you. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.